The world is becoming increasingly proficient at telling stories that deny God. As such, we need Thinking Christian to become as natural as breathing. Welcome to the Thinking Christian Podcast. I'm Dr. James Spencer. Through calm, thoughtful, theological discussions, Thinking Christian highlights the ways God is working in the world and questions the underlying social, cultural, and political assumptions that hinder Christians from becoming more like Christ. Now, on to today's episode of Thinking Christian. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Thinking Christian. I'm Dr. James Spencer, and I'm here with Brian Babcock. Uh, Brian and I actually met uh, at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, where I finished my PhD, and he started his PhD work. Um, I'll let him tell you a little bit more about that. But Brian and I have been you know, in contact ever since, and uh, it's been great to have him collaborate on A Praying People. Uh, he wrote a chapter in A Praying People, and so that's what we're really going to cover today. But uh, Brian's a really interesting guy. He's had sort of a diverse background of different things he does. And and so, um, Brian, it's great to have you, man. And uh, maybe just tell people, I don't know, maybe start a little bit. Uh, what did you do prior to doing your PhD in Old Testament? Maybe that's the best place to start. Uh, talk, a little <laughs> bit about, talk a little bit about maybe some of your highlights prior to doing an Old Testament theology PhD. Oh, James, thank you so much. It's so good to be here and and to share a little bit about God and, and prayer. Um, so I, God has had me on an interesting journey. I mean, it, it, people say, be careful what you wish for. So be careful what you pray for, because God opens interesting doors. And uh, so I came out of a background in healthcare where I was a hospital CEO and, and God had placed on my heart um, some different business ideas. And coming from an entrepreneurial family, um, I set out on this entrepreneurial path uh, and had a couple of ideas that, that grew and, and was able to grow these businesses and sell them. Um, and during that process, uh, I had a tragedy. And, and it's, I mean, it's a hard thing to start a podcast with that, but um, uh, it's so interesting to me how God leads. And, and what had happened in my life is God gives us all these talents uh, and, and he lets us go out and use them. Uh, and unfortunately, in my case, um, one little step, after another, I, I used these talents that God gave and moved away from God. Uh, that I, um, the world would say, man, you're accomplishing great things. Look at your house, look at your cars, uh, look at your perfect family. Uh, and yet inside, I am worshiping career, worshiping money. Uh, and, and as I, I grew, I, I really separated from God. And uh, it came to a point where my I was living in, in Denver during the week and in Kansas on the weekends, running a business that we had started, and my son committed suicide. Uh, and it, it's one of those moments that uh, you would trade it all. I mean, you know, millions of dollars you would trade for one more day with your child. It's just, it's not supposed to happen that way. And um, my family and I sat down and we went, you know, where are we? What, what is it that um, is important in life? And we decided that God was the center of life and we had to reconnect. Um, and in my case, 
Um, I'm kind of in, in my head. I'm not, you know, a truly emotional guy. Uh, and I, I knew that God existed. I just didn't think I liked him very much. And uh, so being in my head, I, I read every book I could find on suicide and after suicide. Uh, and then I turned to God and felt led to go to seminary. Uh, and so my quest um, was really leaving a worldly existence and trying to explore who God is and whether I was going to have a relationship with him or not. That, that a God who could do something like that, allow something yeah. like that, um, is that a God I really want to be part of? And uh, so I went to Den Denver Seminary and had an amazing healing experience, uh, found how God and I fit together, uh, developed a true personal relationship. Uh, and during that, I, I really enjoy languages. And so, you, you know, in sem seminary, you do Hebrew and you do Greek and and most people go, yeah, this is not so much fun. And I'm like, this is awesome. Uh, you know, Hebrew is kind of like a secret decoder ring. You know, you get this stuff. And um, one of my faculty, doc, Dr. Rick Hess, uh, also taught Akkadian. And I was able to spend some time in this other language, uh, comparable to Hebrew at the same time, but, but a very, very different language, and uh, fell in love with it. And so... I started to explore uh, how different cultures impacted Israel, especially Israel of the Old Testament. And um, so then I went on and met you at Trinity. Uh, then I went overseas and did my Ph.D. at the University of Bristol in England uh, and then a postdoc uh, at Cambridge. Um, and so that brought me to then how. Israel expressed herself with her neighbors. And so I, I really did kind of a historical ling linguistic PhD trying to understand uh, how Israel's culture operated among her neighbors. Very cool. Yeah, man. I mean, I think, uh, you know, obviously we went to seminary for different reasons, but I think when I entered seminary, it was a very similar, uh, there was a, a similar impetus um, I had become a Christian maybe three or four years earlier and just still hadn't figured out or had really any interest in committing to it a hundred percent. And the guy who was discipling me kind of said, uh, you know, you're too hard headed for anybody to teach you this stuff. You need to go learn it yourself. And, um, and he's like, you need to go do an MDiv. And I'm like, well, I don't even know what that is, but, um, you know, so sort of a, a baby Christian four years in the making, I, I jumped into seminary, uh, hadn't, I, you know, you'd done the, you know, the normal Bible studies and Campus Crusade and stuff like that. I'd had like, you know, a smattering of Bible verses. But I think at the time I'd read about half the Gospel of John because I just couldn't get through it. And, you know, portions of the Book of Romans. And I was like, OK, I guess I'll go to seminary. And um, yeah, my wife and I affectionately call my 12 years of uh, seminary education um, the most expensive discipleship program you could ever go through. And Absolutely. So, you know, it's I think for guys like us where, you know, I'm a little more in my head, too. It, it makes a lot of sense to go into seminary and just try to figure things out for yourself. Um, I think it's a path that just unfortunately, some people have to <laughs> take the time and the money and 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 find a passion in that arena. So, dude, what a great story. And 
Yeah. So you went on to Europe to do your PhD. Um, you uh, you now are, are sort of doing something completely different with life, right? Um, I know you keep your, your toes in academia. Do you still teach uh, adjunct places and stuff like that? I'm not right now. Um, I, I retired about seven years ago, and okay. and I I love it. Uh, and I missed the classroom. Uh, yeah. I, I actually sold a business and was able to uh, sit back and relax. And as as you are, uh, very quickly I started to twiddle my thumbs <laughs> and go, "All right, sir, what's next?" And um, God put this opportunity in in my life where I could minister in two really very different ways. Um, The first was with a faith-based disaster relief company um, where I started um, helping with disasters around the world. Uh, And so for the last five years now, uh, I've been responding to disasters, trying to, through through a faith-based way um minister to people while reducing suffering and saving lives uh and i just in fact on friday got back from gaza and egypt um where i've been working on the disaster relief project trying to provide um bathrooms uh for those who need them because right now you've got over two million people in a space for about two hundred thousand uh, and so trying to create both clean or safe drinking water and um, bathrooms for folks during these what we call IDP camps, but basically a, a refugee camp in yeah. Gaza. Yeah. So so I, I do that. And that's that's a way to to help serve, um, but also minister. Uh, and then the second way, which is a very, very different way, uh, is <laughs> I, I teach history on Viking ocean cruise ships. So I spend about four months a year traveling around the world, very different than disasters, uh, having breakfast in bed. I mean, it's, it's pretty nice. Uh, and, and teaching about world history. And I guess, you know, it, it, it's a grueling schedule. I mean, it's not for everybody. It's just a ton of work. I mean, 45 minutes every other day. It, it, it's a really hard schedule. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember. I, I mean, I taught on an Israel trip one time and I thought to myself, I can't believe I'm actually here and they're paying me to do this. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was super fun. Well, dude, I, I mean, I appreciate the disaster work and I, I'll be interested to hear. I mean, so Brian wrote a chapter on lament psalms in uh, a praying people. And so I'm kind of interested. Um, I want to take a quick break. But when we come back, I'd, I'd be interested to hear um, how you understand lament. And I think probably where we want to get to is sort of does lament connect to some of the disaster relief work you're seeing in and around the world? And, and maybe how could lament inform our understanding of even how to, you know, for those of us who aren't in the thick of that, right, how might lament help us to connect with it a little bit more deeply? So let me take a quick break. And then when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about lament psalms. It goes without saying, but the Bible has changed so many lives. Take a second and think about it. If you didn't have access to a Bible or were even allowed to have one, this is a reality that many are facing. That's why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country, and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language. 
For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my book, Christian Resistance. Simply text THINKING to 71326 to help today. That's T-H-I-N-K-I-N-G. Or visit give.crew.org backslash thinking. Again, that's give.cru.org backslash thinking. Message and data rates may apply. Available to U.S. addresses only. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. It goes without saying, but the Bible has changed so many lives. Take a second and think about it. If you didn't have access to a Bible or were even allowed to have one, this is a reality that many are facing. That's why I want to tell you about one of our partners' crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country, and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my book, Christian Resistance. Simply text THINKING to 71326 to help today. That's T-H-I-N-K-I-N-G. Or visit give.crew.org backslash thinking. Again, that's give.cru.org backslash thinking. Message and data rates may apply. Available to U.S. addresses only. Hey, everybody. We're back. Uh Brian, uh, you know, before the break, we were going to talk about Lament Psalms. So talk us through a little bit of your chapter. What what drove you into maybe maybe a good place to start is what drove you to write about Lament Psalms in the first place? Yeah, um, prayer, prayer is such an important part of a healthy spiritual relationship to God. Um, I, I, I just... Moody had this this quote that I love or this story that I love where where he was saying that he would go to prayer meetings around the country and uh, often he would go to a church that had, you know, 800 people attending on Sunday and, and he would come in on a Wednesday night and there would be 20 people there praying. And he'd go to another church with a thousand people and there'd be a hundred people there praying. And, and he went to this one small church of about 350 and there were 300 people there praying on a Wednesday night. And he went up to, to the pastor and he goes, you know, I go to all these churches and Wednesday night, you know, prayer is you know a very small percentage. And uh, the pastor looked at him and said, you know, if people actually believed that prayer worked, they would all be here. 
And to me, that is such a meaningful quote, uh, because I think a lot of us pray just because we're told to pray, but not because we really think that God's going to act in that prayer. And so uh, for for me, um, being able to write a lament prayer um, chapter was all about how can we, knowing that God exists, but also knowing that we have suffering in our lives, uh, what does the Bible teach us about how we can interact with our suffering and expect God to act in our lives? Uh, and that's really what I wanted to, to talk about. And um, it came to me, I, I had just come back from Ethiopia. Uh, and um, I had seen suffering like I had never seen before. Uh, there was a civil war that's still going on uh, that had just started, and um, there was this northern province called Tigray that was seeking independence, and there were three different armies fighting. Uh, this little army up north of a, of a country called Eritrea, uh, there was Tigray, and then there was the Ethiopian Defense Force, and all three were basically fighting each other, and death was everywhere. Um, I, I would, I would get up in, in the morning with, with my team and we would often cross the lines of all three armies during the day. So you'd go to one checkpoint and you'd have the Ethiopian defense force there. And then you go to another checkpoint, another mile away and there's fighting going on and you're, you're there with your little white flag, you know, coming through and they would all go, we hate those guys, but we're so glad you're here helping the people. And there were hundreds of thousands of people living in squalor. I mean, they were just camping without tents, uh, going to the bathroom in fields, uh, no bathrooms, no water, no food. Um, and, and it struck me, I, I came to this one little camp that they had set up, uh, and there was a guy just rocking back and forth. And, and I walked up kind of behind him because I didn't want to bother him. And I noticed that he had his Bible out uh, and, and he was reading the Bible uh, and just rocking back and forth. And I had to sit, sit down with him. And uh, he goes, how, how can God allow this? How can this happen uh, to me and to my family? And uh, you had just asked if, if I'd be willing to write a chapter in this book. And, and um, I sat down and went, you know, that's the chapter it, is how God do this in a real world. Uh, and so so I sat down and, and, I, and, and so coming out of tragedy uh, and not all of us have been in a war zone. Not all of us have had our houses bombed, um, but all of us have had tragedy. All of us have had, you know, marital problems or financial problems or children problems or drug and alcohol problems. I mean, no one's life is really untouched. It goes without saying, but the Bible has changed so many lives. Take a second and think about it. If you didn't have access to a Bible or were even allowed to have one, this is a reality that many are facing. That's why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country, and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. 
When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my book, Christian Resistance. Simply text THINKING to 71326 to help today. That's T-H-I-N-K-I-N-G. Or visit give.crew.org backslash thinking. Again, that's give.cru.org backslash thinking. Message and data rates may apply. Available to U.S. addresses only. Yeah. So that's... That's a great story to to talk about writing a chapter on lament. I mean... um, I just had the opportunity. I sat down with Russ Meek, who we both know. Yeah. Um, we wrote we wrote trajectories together. Um, twenty eighteen, I think now. And yeah. he just he just finished up a book on Ecclesiastes, and so oh. um, really cool, um, great conversation. But I mean, one of the things we talked about in that conversation was, you know, Ecclesiastes is all about m- almost like missed expectations. In other words, we expect something to happen um, if we're good people, if we're righteous, if we're serving the Lord, if we're obeying. Um, and we have this sort of dichotomy of, yeah, I, I thought I was doing something good. I thought I was being a righteous person. I thought I was following the Lord and my life. I don't have riches. I don't have <laughs> prosperity. I don't have, you know, safety, security, all of those things. And um, he ties it back to Abel, uh, the story of Cain and Abel. Um, which is really fascinating to think about, you know, here's righteous Abel who gets killed in a field. And um, that's what Ecclesiastes is sort of talking about. And it, it's been good to do that interview uh, after, you know, before talking about lament, because I think, you know, Ecclesiastes, I don't think we usually think about it in terms of lament. Um, at least I didn't. Um, but the more, you know, uh, I've looked at lament and Ecclesiastes together, it's like, yeah, it kind of is. It's it's sort of a light yeah. lament, but it's still a lament. Um, so how do you, you know, in your chapter, you you deal with a lot of the um, the lament psalms proper, you know, not necessarily lamentations, but definitely in the Psalter, these lament psalms. Um, how would you characterize lament for people who don't really fully grasp it? I mean, is it's not just complaining, right? It's it's something other than that, you know. It's not it's not a gossip session in prayer kind of vibe to it, right? No, that's true. And and classically, uh, there are really five different parts of a lament. So so to be classified as a lament, uh, first you have to invoke God. So um, you know, oh God, oh God, why have you forsaken me? I mean, so you're talking to God, Uh, and then then you want to sit back and say. Um, really, what what am I angry about? What what has happened in my life uh, that has that has put me here? How have I been wrong? So a description of your complaint, uh, and then then you want to move into help. Uh, how how do you expect God to help? Uh, and then an expression uh, based upon God's character of the action you desire. And that's really the pivot point in a psalm of lament. It's, it, it's you know, how, where am I? And then and shifting from me to you, God, how do we pivot? Uh, and then finally, fifth, uh, how has my perspective changed based on the fact that I know God's character and I expect him to act in my life. And it's surprising when you think about the Psalms, because we, we, you know, we come to come 
Psalms and we go, oh, they're all praises and, and how wonderful. And, and yet a third of the Psalms are really a lament. Uh, so a third are, are how has uh, my circumstance wronged me? And how do I expect God to, to act? And then how am I thankful for God over that? Yeah. And so when we think about that, I mean, a third of the book of Psalms, that's like, I don't know, what is that, 50 or so? Probably somewhere in that yeah. range, right? If I'm doing math right. Um, I'm, not <laughs> testament guy, I'm not a mathematician, but I think that's right. Um, 50 lament Psalms. Uh, do those, do you think, contribute to an overall understanding of what's really going on in this worship book of Israel or the prayer book of Israel, it's been called um, the situation of Israel across time, or is it more um, maybe it's both, but part of an individual human expression, just that our lives are sort of characterized by these things. How do you, how do you read that in the overarching book of Psalms, I guess is my question. No, I do. Cause <laughs> As Christians, we were raised, um, I think wrongly, uh, this is where, I mean, the, the church is wonderful, but it also, it has downsides. Uh, if we think about the big C church, um, oh, yeah. there is this expectation, uh, and which is what Russ had just talk, talked to you about. Uh, there's this expectation that if we're doing the right stuff, great things are going to be happening in our life. Yeah. And and that um, if we're really good Christians, then we suck it up and we smile and we praise God. Uh, and, and yet a third of, of the Psalms are not that. I mean, a third of the Psalms are saying my life sucks and yet I still believe in God. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and I think that that where at least the way I was was raised, we didn't say stuff like that. You know, something bad happens. You go to church and you smile uh, and you sing and you say, hey, my life is great because God's in it. And yet, to be honest, there are times that we need to sit down with God and, you know, chew him out a little bit, I think. You know, and, and so when we look at prayer and a third of the Psalms are there, um, I, I think we have to be honest with God that having a true, lasting, deep relationship with God is not always to say, oh, thank you for, you know, stubbing my toe. That feels so wonderful. Uh, but, but to say, this is where I'm at. This is what I feel. And to really be honest. I mean, there, there's a saying that, that says to cry is human. To lament is Christian. So when, when, when bad things happen to just people, you cry, you, you say, this sucks. My life is miserable, or at least this aspect of my life is miserable. Yeah. But what Christians then can say is that my God is greater than my current circumstance. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to this first half of the interview with Brian Babcock. We're going to be airing the second half tomorrow, so please join us again here on Thinking Christian. Just want to take a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the Thinking Christian podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Feeling stressed? Let's take better care of you. I'm Bonnie Gray, the host of Breathe, the Stress Less Podcast. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.